0: Yo, DJ L Spade here. Asking y'all take a second after you listen to my podcast and go check out my new album, L Spadia 2. Got over 200,000 streams on Spotify and over 100,000 streams on Apple Music right now. I think you will like it. Check it out. Tell me what you think about it. Hit me up on Instagram at DJ L Spade. Follow me on Facebook at DJ L Spade. Follow me on Twitter. I bet you can guess at DJ L Spade. Peace. Coming on this podcast, just a man doing the best he can with what he got. And I got a special guest with me. My homie, somebody I respect and I'm going to get into why. The homie, Zenab. Okay, I'm going to get this wrong. Husan? Hassoun. oh my God. <laughs> I practiced like four times before we did it. And You're I voted co- under the pressure. You're close. But before we get started, let me give you your, your roses real quick, because you are doing something miraculous. You are a biochemist who graduated from the University of California, Santa Barbara. But even more ra- miraculous, you are a beekeeper.
1: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful introduction.
0: So that is very important. And it's important for so many damn reasons that we're going to get into right now. But the first question is, how did you get into beekeeping?
1: Well, um, I've always been a bug fanatic. I was one of those kids that loved to pick up every creature that, you know, would roam the garden. But my fascination really started when I was in undergrad. I had this awesome biology professor who everyone liked. Everyone loved this biology professor, but there were a lot of rumors circulating around his research with honeybees. He was doing a lot of research and publishing a lot of journals. So I decided to read some of his publications and I didn't find anything scandalous, (laughs) but it was downright fascinating. It was the first time I had heard about terms like the waggle dance and swarm intelligence. And so that captivated me. I think around the same time, I read an article about managed hives being kept on the rooftop of a shopping mall in um, central Tokyo.
0: Whoa, in Tokyo? They got bees in, in
1: Tokyo? Tokyo, Exactly. Yes. There's a whole there's a whole buzz above the city. Ah, see what you um, did there. <laughs> They're, they were managed by the Ginza Honeybee Project, and it was the first time it kind of opened my eyes to keeping bees in the city. So around 2018, I caught my first wild swarm, and I've been broke since.
0: <laughs> <laughs> everything goes to the honey babies, right?
1: Right, exactly.
0: Why are honeybees important?
1: Oh, okay. So they are super important to the environment in many ways. First of all, I want to say we would survive without them. It would just be, we would just be really, really worse off. We would lose things like coffee and avocados and oranges. Marcus, can you survive without coffee? I cannot. I know I could not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can I? Not at all.
1: So many of our fruits and vegetables are pollinated by honeybees. The saying goes, one in every three bites of food we take. So 90% of the top 107 crops worldwide is pollinated by honeybees. That's
0: pretty damn important.
1: A huge amount of the produce that we put onto the market would be very expensive if it wasn't for the honeybees. So yeah, from, the, from a you brought up a good point from an economic standpoint, $500 billion of our annual global food production does depend on the honeybees, primarily because of their pollination services that they offer. So in California, in the state that I live in, it's just for the almond crop alone. The state of California imports 2 million hives every year.
0: Imports? Like they bring them in?
1: They bring them in. Yeah, just for the almond crop alone. So from an ecological standpoint, though, and in dealing with evolution, there's something in biology called evolutionary radiation, which looks at like diversity of floral plants and flowering plants. And we see a direct correspondence to that when we study the honeybee so there when we see an evolutionary trend in honeybee we see a direct correlation to the flowers in which they are in in which in the the environment that they reside in so that's pretty interesting from a ecological perspective
0: No, that's dope as hell (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. So bees are important to that ecological role because of their hairy little bodies. They're able to transport so much pollen. If you think about it, they're involved in interspecies sex. They're the matchmakers of flowers. They're taking pollen from one flower to the other. To help it reproduce. Yeah, yeah, we got x rated
0: baby. Woo, that's gonna get the viewership <laughs> up. Yeah. Exactly. In a species six? Oh, that's good for the ratings. <laughs> Talk more about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, for scientists studying honeybees, it's super important because uh, a honeybee colony is super organized. Each bee in the colony has a different role depending on its age. So I want you to remember that because we'll circle back onto that.
0: Do bees age out? Do they like do like the ages thing when bees get too old, they kick them out the hive. Like, look, you're no longer useful. Nah. No,
1: but they do that with drones. Drones are male bees. They will kick them out in the winter. I know. <laughs> but there is there is a lack of resources in the winter. There is an <laughs> <laughs> there is a scientific reason why. And the drones, their primary role is to keep the hive warm because their numbers contribute to that, but also be their only reason is to mate with a queen. They find a queen, mate, and once they mate, they die.
0: I know a lot of drones out here in this in the human world well, too.
1: In the human world, yeah, there are <laughs> a lot, lot of drones
0: out of- here. Yo, if you like the Common Knowledge podcast, check out the Random Show hosted with me and the homie Alex Lex Caliber Hunter. On the Random Show, we talk about random shit. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at random. That's R A N dash Random you are helping sustain the bees which are very very important and me and my homie alex we are like very much into the environment which i think everybody should be i mean because you only got one earth i think people got this notion that we're going to get in these rocket planes with bezos and find another place but no like you need to take care of the earth we got and right now the bees are dying and why do you know why because i hear many things about this but why are the bees dying
1: Oh, okay. So that's a very important question. When you first started hearing about the concept of bees dying, it was probably the mid 2000s. Um, they were making the headlines. There was something called colony collapse disorder. So colony collapse disorder, the defining quality of that is that a beekeeper would open up a hive that was relatively productive just days before, and they would see no bees. They would have totally absconded the hive leaving behind brood, eggs, and sometimes the queen, and of course, a lot of honey. We don't know what caused that issue. We still don't know what caused that issue. We don't know if it was a virus or a parasite or the confluence of climate change. There were many theories, but never like an agreed upon theory. What was even more puzzling is it suddenly ended overnight. Completely disappeared. So we don't know what caused it. We don't know... Why it disappeared, but we're glad it's gone. The positive thing that arose from that is it gave us insight that, hey, our honeybees are super unhealthy. They're really unhealthy and they're affected by these micro changes in the environment that we don't understand. So that is not what's killing honeybees today. What's killing honeybees today is primarily three things, parasites, pesticides, and poor nutrition. And we can get into those three areas if you want. But last year, commercial beekeepers reported losing one third of their hives year after year after year, and with some places in the United States reporting losses of upwards of seventy percent of their hives due to those three factors: parasites, pesticides, and poor nutrition.
0: But where is the pesticide, the, the parasites coming from? Like, what kind of parasites are these?
1: Well, okay, this the the primary parasite that infects honeybee populations is is straight up from a avengers you know villain movie it's called the varroa destructor yes
0: yeah, that's, that's a dope-ass villain name Var- v- varroa
1: name. destructor it's a mite <laughs> <laughs> and it's absolutely ruthless it climbs onto a bee and it kind of breaks um it's like exoskeleton on the back side of the bee and it releases these kind of like digestive enzymes that start to feed on the bee. So it kind of turns the bee into like bee soup in a way. Yeah, and it's extremely destructive. It weakens the health of the bee. It shortens its lifespan. So do you remember how I previously stated that each bee has a different duty and a role in a colony depending on its age? Okay, so pollination, which we consider the most important role of a bee, that's why we value the bee, Pollination is one of the last roles a bee takes before it dies. And it does it all the way up until it's dead. It literally wears its wings out doing pollinating. So a bee with varroa sometimes never even makes it out of the hive to start pollinating. But when they do start pollinating and they have varroa mites, they're dropping it on the flowers and the flora and the fauna. And mites, along with things like ticks, they... Spread by something called questing, which means they just wait for another host and they jump on. And so you can have a completely unhealthy colony infecting a perfectly healthy colony.
0: It's like World War Z, like, yes, zombie like behavior, man. This one infects this one. But okay, so these are parasites. And I'm guessing the answer would be pesticides. But you just Mm -hmm. said one of the problems is pesticide. So how do we like square that circle?
1: That's a great question. Yeah, we have commercial miticides that we do use to control mite population. And we are finding, unfortunately, with the use of these commercial miticides, mites are building a resistance to it. So pesticides, pesticides are not necessarily the miticides that we use to treat these mites. When we are talking about pesticides, we're talking about things called neonicotinoids. So we can get into that so pesticides are i think when used responsibly like when we're doing the mite treatments can be very effective in like reducing the number of destructive insects especially when you're talking about agriculture right right it helps keep the price of producing those crops down and it allows us to grow crops in the tons that we're growing them in to bring them to market i'll acknowledge that even as a person that hates pesticides
0: for, well, let me say thank you for doing that because I think people unfairly do that I don't want any GMO no pesticide. <laughs> I'm like bro right. you know we kind of need that to survive right. right like to get the the yields of foods I myself too I consider myself you know very eco-friendly and I think mm-hmm. about the environment myself but I do acknowledge there's a place for those too so thank you for right. saying that. that that's dope thank you, thank you.
1: But unfortunately, we now have a lot of pesticides that are systemic, which means that they're absorbed by the seed and they make it into every part of the plant, including the pollen Mm. that the bees bring back. So once that pesticide ridden pollen is brought back to the hive, it uh, moves in every part of the life cycle of the bee because pollen is used as protein for bees. Today, pesticides like miticides are mixed in with herbicides, which are mixed in with weed killers that people are spraying on their lawn and agricultural insecticides and fungicides and rhodicides. And what's concerning, this is the most concerning part, is that we don't actually know what the interacting impact of all those chemicals mixed together are. We can account for the different outcomes all those chemicals mixed together have. Can I say that again for the people in the back? Please do. We don't actually know the interacting impact of all those chemicals mixed together are. And we continue to use them daily.
0: Why are we doing that, though? Like, do you know why we're doing that? Because I'm pretty sure it leads back to this capitalism.
1: Yes. Well, we have lobbying firms that push for big agro here in the United States. And the bottom line is profits. Mm. So in the U.S. alone, there are more than 12 different chemicals registered for use in the agricultural sector. And they are sold under 18,000 separate trade names. So the extent of this sublethal effect that we have with all these chemicals is still unknown, but we continue to use them every day. And one of the more, har- you know, I mentioned the, harm- the most harmful group of pesticides, which were neonicotinoids. The United States did something wonderful in 2014 under the Obama Uh, Obama administration, the U.S. banned the use of neonicotinoids and all their um, pesticide uh, resistant seeds in all national wildlife areas.
0: Wait, 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 the Obama administration did something good? Oh my God, but I I thought (laughs) Obama was the devil.
1: However...
0: Oh there's always a but.
1: <laughs> this was a huge win. This was a huge win not only to beekeepers but many environmental groups. It was a step in the right direction so much so that Europe and Canada followed suit. But in 2018 Here comes. In 2018 under the Trump administration they lifted the ban <sighs> and the neonicotinoid Um, pesticides are now used in national wildlife areas.
0: So you mean to tell me the guy who was a reality (laughs) TV star who really didn't know how to do government reversed to something and made it it worse? I mean, I I never saw that coming. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) okay. All right. So this is the situation we're in right now. We need to protect the bees because I remember there being a hubbub about like the bees dying because honestly, it went back to capitalism because the honey market is so damn profitable. I didn't Mm -hmm. know how much money that the honey market brung in until I actually researched it. But like, how
1: can we, us
0: humans, save the bees?
1: Well, there's a variety of ways. So one of the things, the other, the third thing that affects um, the honeybee population was poor nutrition. So honeybees visit many, many flowers. They drink the nectar from these flowers. They transport it back to their colony. They regurgitate it into a cell. They start fanning it with their wings to dehydrate it, and it becomes honey. They also collect pollen from flowers. And the pollen, as I said, was, is used as a source of protein for their young. So when bees don't have a lot of pollen or nectar, they begin to starve and they become affected by stress. Unfortunately, it's not just a matter of starvation. It's them not having a diet that's diverse, that's really problematic. Since they don't have the full complement of nutrition that they need to be healthy, right? Just like humans. Mm. So that's the scenario we have the bees in at this point. There's not a lot of diversity in their diet. So much of the land has been turned over for human development and for agriculture. And the way we do agriculture in the United States is through a lot of monocultures, right?
0: What's a monoculture?
1: Monoculture is when you plant the same type of crop on a land year after year. So a a corn farm, um, corn is a bad example because corn is wind pollinated. But when the California almond crop is bringing in, trucking in the bees to do, to pollinate the almond crop, they're only getting pollen from almonds, right? Almond flour. And so monoculture means one type of crop. So I thought we got over getting- there. I
0: thought uh, what the homie George Washington Carver taught us that we <laughs> should be rotating crops. I thought crop rotation was a thing back in. Back in the yesteryear, I thought we was doing that. Why are we still doing, like, uh, singular it's crops? Just,
1: it's just more profitable to do that. Damn capitalism! <laughs> and you may, you may have a rotation of crops. However, it's not as if you are planting many different crops per season on a piece of land. It's basically crop rotation. They're still getting the components of one type of pollen at a time. So the diversity in their diet is important because them another amazing thing about bees is they have the power to self-medicate through the different types of pollens that they gather so for example if a hive is infected by a certain type of fungus the bees will go and forage certain um, plants and flowers with say antifungal properties and self-medicate isn't that amazing
0: that is dope as a matter of fact the hell with spider-man we need y'all to start looking at d-man like yo i was like that's a good superhero trait right there
1: (laughs) <laughs> but they aren't able to do that if they're only gathering the same types of like pollen over and over due to Ooh. our monoculture um, practices. So here are ways that we can help. Well, I first and foremost, if you see a, a, a swarm of bees, don't exterminate them. Call a beekeeper. They're more than happy to relocate them for you.
0: Ooh, that's a good thing, though, because I, when I was young and I hate to admit this, I was so scared of bees that when I saw a hive, I would like try to knock it down. Mm-hmm. And I'm so ashamed to say that, but that's a good one. Thank you for saying that. Yes.
1: Why were you afraid of bees, Marcus?
0: Uh, okay, this is why I was afraid of bees. Because it hurts when they sting you.
1: <laughs> you know? How often have you been stung by bees without provoking them? Okay, so
0: okay, okay, and that, and that's a good point too. Th- I actually was provoking them without knowing I was provoking them because I would play... Okay around the hives and you know man as little boys do we we do a yeah. bunch of things with throw rocks was you know yeah. swinging sticks and yeah it turns out the bees didn't like that <laughs> and i would get <laughs> i would get a uh, stung. also there was like a little bit of confusion between bees and wasp exactly and hornets because the hornets right. and the wasps was, was really what i was scared of but you know being a young kid you lump all those things in together
1: i'm so happy you brought that up a lot of people do confuse wasps with honeybees. Honeybees are inherently not aggressive unless you are throwing rocks at their hive, yes. Marcus. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and um, you know, I just want to just paint this picture. You know, most bees, most people get stung in the springtime and most bees overwinter, which means they are hibernating in their hive during the winter and they're emerging out of their hive for the first time in the spring. So it's Perhaps the first time they've ever met a mammal, you know, you're, you're looking fine, you're smelling fine, probably, and they want to check you out. And here you are swatting at them.
0: (laughs) I was not smelling fine back in the day when I was a kid. No, that wasn't it. Nor looking fine. It took took a lot of growth to get to the Adonis I am today.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Um, well, let's get back to um, what you could do to help. This, I would say also stop spraying Roundup on your lawn. I would say mm. leave the dandelions and the clovers alone. Those are, you know, the things that we typically consider to be weeds. Um, the bees love them. I think to take it further, if you really want to help, you should plant a pollinator garden.
0: Pollinator garden?
1: Well, just plants from, that are native to your area you know, take a little strip of land in your backyard or front yard and plant some seeds, plant some flowers. Um, I think if more people did that, then the issues that the bees face in terms of poor nutrition that we talked about would be mitigated almost overnight. But they can't self-medicate and they can't have the complement of full nutrition that they need um, if they only have, you know, the offerings of a couple of plants that are available to them.
0: Alex is actually saving the world with his garden.
1: <laughs> exactly. I think about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Darn it! I gotta give him credit for that. Too. He's already damn near perfect. Now I gotta give him credit for that. Oh!
1: You God. can plant a garden too. Plant, plant something in a in a container box or whatnot. I
0: have an herb garden, but that's not the same. Uh,
1: okay, well, it's it's fine. It's it's a step in the right direction. I think some people become like over um, overambitious and would rather not do something than do. I say whatever you do, as long as it's in the step in the right direction, it, it's good enough. Is there anything else we can do to help save the bees? If you're in the U.S., call your representatives and ask them to support the Saving America's Pollinators Act, and that will put neonicotinoids back on the ban list.
0: Oh yes, yes, we need that.
1: And lastly, buy honey from your local beekeeper. It it really helps us out a lot.
0: Oh, and you also sell honey too. Please tell the folks what about your honey.
1: Um, You can go onto my Instagram, Zainab's Bees, and I'll have have my shop
0: url in the in the bio yo marcus l spade johnson here also known by dj l spade and i got a new album coming out november 16th l spadia 2 and i will be ecstatic you guys will stream that or buy it blessings november 16th l spadia 2 if you don't mind, Z, just to hop back into it, can I ask a few dumb questions as a novice and somebody who's actually a bee enthusiast who doesn't have like the knowledge to get started and, and the the bravery and the courage to get started, by the way? So can I ask you a few questions? Is that okay?
1: I love that you're an ally of the bees, first of all, and there's no dumb questions. Of course you can ask.
0: Oh, hold on to that thought, because look, <laughs> <laughs> you better get some. Like, let's see if I can't change your mind about that. Okay. All right. <laughs> The first thing is, like, yeah, how do you start a hive? Like, I'm in Japan, and I really do want to start a hive. But how do I do that? And is it possible to have a hive in a limited amount of space?
1: Well, that's a great question. So how do you start a hive? There's so many ways. You can buy bees. You can buy a package of bees from... Anywhere, but I suggest buying local bees. They're going to be better acclimated to the environment that you're putting them in. So, you in Japan would be buying Apis serena bees, whereas in the United States, we keep Apis mellifera bees. It's just a different bee. So,
0: see, you know what? That's how dumb I am right there. Like, yo, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, it makes sense when you think about it, but I'm like, wait, they ain't the same bees? But bees are bees, right? They
1: the same bees. no. Wow. See, there we go. Most enthusiasts actually try to test the limits by going out and capturing a swarm of bees. But you can always order bees online or from a local beekeeper, which is even better. And you can keep them in a limited space. They don't need a lot of space. They just need a lot of foraging ground. So you can keep them on a balcony. A lot of my clients love to keep them on rooftops in the city. And nobody knows they're there. They're doing their thing.
0: So there's no chance of the, the bees like uh, attacking the civilians or anything like that? Are you throwing rocks at them? I don't... Okay, yeah. <laughs> See, that came around full circle. As long as you're not throwing rocks and swinging sticks at them, exactly. guys, you are yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> now. But should anybody start a bee... Beehive and how much is the upkeep? Is it hard to like keep up with them? Like, what is the maintenance on a hive?
1: You have to have you have to be hands on. Uh, There's a lot of beekeeping philosophies out there. Some people are hands off, some people are treatment free, some people are. Not treatment free but organic, so there's a lot of philosophies out there of what to do. I've presented to you the Varroa destructor, you know, mite Mm -hmm. uh, which is highly contagious. I started off by being treatment free, and I've since changed my philosophy on that. I think that you do need to manage your hives, it's part of being ethical and responsible Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: beekeeping because it affects every hive in the area, so you could. You, you don't necessarily have to use chemicals, but you do need to do things that mitigate.
0: Another question. How do you get honey? And generally, how many bees are in one hive? And how long does it take to make the honey? That's like three questions rolled up in one.
1: Well, a typical hive contains anywhere from 30,000 to 80,000 bees. Damn, it's a lot of bees. It's a lot of bees, right? How big is a hive, though? Like three feet, five feet? Um, no, it's like one of those um, one foot by one and a half feet boxes. Damn, 8,000 bees in there? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So in order to get honey, you actually have to put a different box on top so that the queen is not able to lay eggs in that box. You don't want eggs with your honey, do you? No, I don't want that. No. So you put a, <laughs> something called a queen excluder, and it prevents the queen, which is a little bigger than the rest of the bees, from laying in the top box. And so... They are depositing pollen and nectar in the top box. And then once they cap the cells, you're able to take the honey. So typically sustainable and responsible beekeeping, we say take 60% and leave 40% for the bees. Ooh, the good old
0: 60-40. Because bees eat honey, of course, to live, right? Of course.
1: And they need it for the winter. So um, I practice ethical beekeeping and in part that means we don't feed our bees sugar. So some beekeepers do take 100% of the honey and they feed their bees sugar for the winter to keep them alive. What? Um, that the just does not do give them thing that, is the that hell. Like right? that, that, that well, thing is so janky. Well, you take this stuff let's they not made even get into. Yeah. I mean let's not even get into the honey you're buying in a grocery store that has no nutritional value whatsoever but
0: Okay no let's get into that. Are you saying the, <laughs> the honey I'm buying in the grocery store have no nutritional value? And what is no. the nutritional value of honey?
1: Well, it's supposed to be well, raw unprocessed honey has a lot of properties, antifungal, a lot of antioxidants, it's supposed to be beneficial for you, supposed to promote digestive health. There's so many benefits of honey. When once you take the honey and you process it, you're taking, there's essentially no more pollen in that honey. And there's no worldwide standard on what's classified as organic honey or Mm. raw honey. So when you are buying something on in a grocery store, you don't necessarily know what those bees were fed. They could have been on a sugar diet. That honey was harvested and bottled and sold as honey, but you're buying essentially sugar syrup.
0: So how, how do I safeguard myself? And how do I know? Because here's the thing, right? Organic, the label organic is all the rage and everybody wants to eat Organic without mm-hmm. knowing, like, what that entails or how to get a uh, quote-unquote organic product. But how do I know I'm getting the best honey? Besides buying your honey, which is delicious, by the way. <laughs> Let me tell you, anybody, if you want some delicious-ass honey, yeah. Yeah. Go to Z's Bees. <laughs> Thank damn you. Damn good honey. Honey, like that-ass. I made bakrava with it.
1: Oh, oh, I'd love to hear about that. But, um, Buy, buy local honey, buy your local honey. The local honey that you buy is going to have the pollens from your area. And some people say it helps with their allergies because you are ingesting those pollens and you're building a resistance oh, to, the, to the, the pollens that are in the air. So buy from a farmer's market. That beekeeper, I bet you will talk your ear off talking <laughs> about their bees <laughs> and that honey. They will be more knowledgeable than something that... You know, you're buying on a shelf. There's no telling where that honey is coming from. Also, in the United States, we have banned a lot of honey coming from China, but that honey is shipped to, say, Singapore, and then we import it from Singapore, and we bottle it, and although it says from the U.S., it's not necessarily from the U.S. It's bottled in the U.S. There's ways to get around those labels.
0: Don't we know? Capitalism always going to find a way. Mm Mm-hmm. People think I'm anti-capitalism, but I am a capitalist. I just think we need like strict regulations with this capitalism because capitalism is based on exploiting people and taking the cheapest way to do stuff to exploit your profits. And that's one thing I don't want with my food. I don't want that. Look, don't question coming next. And you might not be the person to answer this. And if I'm just tripping, be like, Marcus, shut up. It's cool. But growing up, I heard about these things called Africanized killer bees. Mm-hmm. And when I got older, I realized they weren't for Africa at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were They're made like, yeah. In, so, in the lab. <laughs> can, can you break that down to me? The whole African, Africanized killer bee thing, where that came from? What was that about? Like, why did it have me scared of everything black? Like, can you break oh. that down to me? <laughs>
1: Okay. So in Brazil, they were testing on bees in order to promote certain genetics. There are people usually breed different genetics of bees um, in order to get different traits, you know, just like a dog, I guess, you know. Mm. So Italian bees tend to be more gentler. I don't know if you've seen people on YouTube beekeeping without a suit on. We call those YouTube bees, (laughs) (laughs) you know, for the gram. Yeah. So there are certain genetics, uh, certain bees are bred for certain genetics and they tend to be more docile. Africanized bees, because they are more aggressive. I wouldn't say hostile, but more aggressive.
0: Damn black bees, huh? No, Mm -hmm.
1: they're not black bees. They're (laughs) black and yellow, black and yellow. (laughs) So they tend to, because they're a little bit more aggressive in their environment towards other bees and other pollinators, Mm. they tend to build wax and um, make honey super fast. They are a little feisty. They're spicy, you know, Mm. but nothing to fear. If you you do have a beehive on your property or a swarm and a beekeeper comes and rehomes it, it, just requeening that hive will change the genetics of the entire colony. So changing out the queen to a more docile queen all her babies it, within 6 weeks or so will be a more docile breed.
0: So what did they do in Brazil? Did they just take a, a Italian bee and a uh, a bee from the continent of Africa and <laughs> throw them together? <laughs> they and... were
1: mating. I don't know. I don't know how the recipe's made. <laughs> mm. But don't the, the fact wild is wild they got, Yeah. But because again they are more um territorial and aggressive, they put out more drones in the air. There is drones. Drones congregate in places in the sky called drone congregation sites, and they just wait for a queen to happen to pass by, and they mate with her, and they die, and her genetics, the um, the Africanized bee genetics is passed on to the offspring. Why
0: was there a hubbub about it? Why why was everybody scared about it? I I remember, like, Back in My rock throwing stick swinging days of Mm -hmm. being scared of finding the Africanized bees. Like, what was that about, though? Like, why were they so scary?
1: Well, it wasn't that they were scary. Imagine you are used to a certain breed of bee where you are beekeeping without a suit. And all of a sudden, you have some pushback from the bees. So Uh. (laughs) uh, exactly. So in terms of what, you know, bees are considered livestock, honeybees are considered livestock. So in terms of moving them and migrating them to crop sites, if they're a little spicy and you're having a hard time moving them around, yeah, um, people are going to have a little bit of a problem with that.
0: Bees start having an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no, I dare you. That's one I didn't know. I didn't know bees were, bees were considered livestock. That is kind of yeah. weird. Also, the breeding would honey bees. bees. Oh, honeybees. Honey bees. Well, okay. How many different bees are they? Mm,
1: that's a good question. In thousands of species, thousands. All of them um, don't make honey. No. Um. Well, they may, They don't make a surplus of honey. So I'm. I'm happy you brought up this point. You know, I think that more broadly through like a top-down approach, I think we need to change our mind frame in how we go about environmental justice, where we ask ourselves how we can shape change to be more responsive to our ecology simply because it's the right thing to do because we're the ones destroying nature. We're, we're the one putting it out of balance, mm-hmm. right? our native bee population those that do not produce honey for human consumption they just make enough for themselves they don't nearly get as much headlines as the honeybee because of capitalism mm-hmm. as you said i think that's because our relationship with nature has always been transactional i've you know we've even talked about this these points today right because as humans it's really only the only way to get through to us we want to save the bees because we see it as an economic benefit to do so we talk about it in terms of what it means down to the gdp of a country right, right. i think we need to frame our activism in terms of what what can humans instead of like what can humans stand to benefit from it we won't actually make an impact in the long term until we do things just because it's the right thing to do so the honeybee population. Thank you. <laughs> the honeybee population is being affected, but it gets it gets the headlines because we use it for pollination, we use it for honey. But all the other pollinators are also affected in the same way the honeybee is. All the native bee populations, all the birds, all all the beetles, the bats. You know, all the flies, all the bats. Yes, yes. So pesticide does not differentiate between a good pest. A, a pollinator a bad pollinator if there's such thing as a bad pollinator so it doesn't it doesn't have it doesn't differentiate between those
0: i want a bat by the way <laughs> like, bees and bats is what i want yeah <laughs> okay now all right last question and yeah. i'll let you go and this is a dumb question um do hornets and wasps make honey and do we eat that
1: no they are it's evil then right i knew it <laughs> I don't I don't know too much about wasps and hornets other than I think they're carnivorous. I, I they they pollinate but they also eat meat, right? What evil. Do it. <laughs> honeybees get a bad rep because they are mistaken for wasps? They wake up, you know, choosing violence, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> Whereas honeybees are, you know, minding their business, are curious. They probably come up to you because they see that you're wearing a beautiful shirt and they see it in the ultraviolet spectrum and they want to check you out. And most people were mistaking them for us.
0: That is me. Uh, can <laughs> I tell your story? Like, seriously? hmm. So the reason why I'm kind of into bees and this is why cartoons, they indoctrinate children. This is why I used to always wake up and watch this show on Nick Jr. when I was a kid. It was called Maya the Bee. And I used to oh. love that damn show. But yeah. that is the homie, I call her Z, of Zanab,
1: who's son? Asun. yes. Asun! Look, I'm
0: gonna yes. get that right, man. Like, I swear, guys, we're friends. We talk all the time. <laughs> I promise you, I'm just bad with names. I call her Z. <laughs> but please check out her natural raw honey. It's delicious as hell. Trust me. I've tried it. I'm not out here endorsing something I haven't tried. Go buy it. Go to her, her Instagram and follow her. And please give them all your information one more time, please.
1: Um, Zaynab's bees and my website is in the bio of my Instagram.
0: And there it is, guys. Thank you know you what? So much. You need an endorsement from Wu Tang.
1: <laughs> yeah. be like, so for awesome! Life. Like Wu Tang for life. Right. Yes, yeah, so you get
0: the Wu Tang <laughs> Zs. Z's killer bees Wu oh, tai and Rizzle. So oh man, that'd be so awesome! Oh, by the way, thank you for putting my face on the hive. I just want to flex that real quick before I let you go. Like, thank oh, you.
1: thank you so much. I I actually am so honored to be part of the tradition of beekeeping. I, it's a it's an ancient, um, I guess, profession, and the um, beekeepers online worldwide have been so supportive. Um, I think it really transcends language and politics and race and religion and we're all in it you know with a common goal of environmentalism and promoting each other so and please keep doing what you're encouraging encouraging. thank you so much
0: like dead ass it's important and that's the common knowledge podcast talk to you guys later